Good morning, everybody watching on Facebook. Uh, let me just open up my live feed here also. It's good to be with you on this Friday morning. All right. So um, while you go on chatting here, remember to post your testimonies and your prayer requests. But I'm going to go on with the word. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. So um, I just want to speak a, a word on forgiveness. And this is always an in-season word and it's always something that every believer can benefit from. Uh, so I believe the, the word of forgiveness is essential for us to live a life of freedom, to live a life without condemnation and to live a life with boldness towards God. All right, so... I'm going to start this time in verse 17 and 18, and we'll take it from there. So Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 says, He then goes on to say, And their sins and their law-breaking I will remember no more. There, uh, now where there is absolute remission, forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty of these sins and law-breaking, there is no longer any offering made. To atone for sin. Okay, the King James Version says it more simply. It says, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So remission is just another word for um, forgiveness. So absolute forgiveness means once you are forgiven, you are forgiven. It's, there's no exception there's no um, going back on it. There's no remembering it. It's over and it's gone. So we need our minds to catch up with what God has done here. Um, he said there is absolute remission, absolute uh, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness cancellation of the penalty of these sins and law-breaking. There's no longer any. So it's like, you know, the double jeopardy rule. Once a court has declared someone not guilty, that person can never, ever, 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 ever be tried for that crime again. Okay. If a person is declared guilty for a certain crime, but he didn't do it, then another person can't be charged and, and tried for that same crime unless that um, judgment is overthrown in, in some appellate court. But this is the highest decision. Jesus was punished. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was executed for us, for our crimes. So now he has already paid the price for us, which means that you can never be tried and condemned and ex executed for those same sins again, ever. So that's what the word acquitted means. Uh, acquitted means whatever charge was against you, it's not like the charges were dropped because then the charges can be brought again. It's like the charges was examined and found to be not true and the charges was dismissed. Okay, so you are acquitted, you are declared free, you are declared guiltless. All right, so there's absolute forgiveness of sins. That is something that we need to get our minds to, which means 
any accusation and condemnation that exists in your heart towards yourself or someone else shouldn't be there. Okay. Any feeling of inadequacy, any feeling of, uh, oh, I wish I didn't say that. Oh, I wish I didn't do that. Oh, my goodness. So, hey, don't get me wrong. And I've, I've maybe said it wrong years ago where I really put emphasis on, on this thing that uh, we, can't, we, we shouldn't be sorry. Let me explain this and, and also somewhere correct myself from years ago. There is such a thing as a godly sorrow. And that's a good thing. Okay. But uh, what I was reacting to years ago was sorrow seemed to be the goal. If you are sorry, and now we have a sorry church. <laughs> if, if sorrow seems to be the goal, if that's the end goal, then you're missing the point completely. God does not want a sorry church. He wants a forgiven church. Okay, so, which means that, yes, there is a, a godly sorrow in our hearts for certain things, but hey, then you turn to Jesus and you believe, you receive the forgiveness, you receive the washing of new regeneration, you receive the washing of the water by the word, you receive the blood of Jesus cleansing your conscience. Never, ever again in your life think of that thing. Do not think back on on things of the past and feel guilty and condemned about it. Rather, look to the blood of Jesus Christ and let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observances. Cleanse your conscience from all accusation. Cleanse your conscience from all awareness of sin. Because it is that knowledge of sin, that awareness of sin that the law brings that uh, activates the... Um, uh, the temptation in the first place. All right, so uh, the more we look to what we did wrong and the greater our emphasis is on what we did wrong in the quest of not doing it again, the more likely we are to be tempted with the same thing again. And that's Romans chapter 7. It says, sin finds opportunity in the commandment to express itself, for without the law, sin is dead. So it says in verse 5, the sin in me uh, stirred up all kinds of forbidden desires, or the, the law, stirred up all kinds of forbidden desires by what the law makes sin. That's Romans chapter 7, verse 5. So the more that we focus on what we should not do, the greater um, the the propensity to do that thing to be tempted by the thing again but the more we focus on the absolute forgiveness the the blood of Jesus that's that makes us absolutely clean that cleanses us white as snow white as wool um, the less we have a remembrance of the sin and the less we have a remembrance of the sin the less there there is a need for us to bring a sacrifice or to make atonement for that sin. Now, if we receive the blood of Jesus, but we go back to a legalistic mindset, then we work against the effect of the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us, but now we go back to a mindset of consciousness of condemnation and accusation. And what happens is we end up feeling condemned again. And if you end up feeling condemned, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 15, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts and minds and you struggle to hear God and your God feels far away. He's not far away. He's right there with you. But it's just the condemnation in our hearts that brings that veil and we don't see and we don't hear. Okay, so I, I want to jump right back to verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 10. 
It says, for since the law has merely a rude outline foreshadowing the good things to come, so it was, it was foreshadowing something better than itself, the law. Okay. Instead of fully expressing those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. Okay, so um, that's the thing that, I, that I've said before. The law never made anything perfect. Okay, so, sorry, I just want to get this thing active again. The law never make, make anything perfect. All right, let me read this again for you. For since the law is merely a rude outline foreshadowing the good things to come, instead of fully expressing those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. So the law cannot make you perfect. Okay, the same says in Hebrews 7, the law never made anything perfect. All right, now listen to this. For if it were otherwise, would these sacrifices not have stopped being offered? So if it worked, then surely it would have stopped sometime. Okay, but now see the effect of that old mindset. Since the worshippers had once for all been cleansed, they would no longer have any guilt or consciousness of sin. So if it worked and it removed the guilt and the consciousness of sin, then you would never need another sacrifice. Now, but verse 3 says, But as it is, these sacrifices, referring to the sacrifices of the law and the whole legalistic mindset, annually bring a fresh remembrance of sins to be atoned for because the blood of bulls and goats is powerless to take sins away. All right. Hence, when Christ entered into the world, he said, sacrifices offerings you have not desired, but instead you have made ready a body for me to offer. So Jesus saw that the sacrifices of the Lord can't do anything, but they knew that before. So what, what is his re response to the ineffectiveness of the law? He makes ready a body to offer. And then he says in, in verse um, 7, um, Here I am coming to do your will, to fulfill what is written of me in the volume of the book. So the law spoke about him. Then he says, when he said just before, you have neither desired nor have taken delight in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, all of which are offered according to the law. Then he went on to say, behold, here I am coming to do your will. So it's God's will that he fulfill everything written of him in the, in, the, in the volume of the book. Thus he does away with and annuls the first former order as a means of expiating sin. Okay, so the old order sustains the sin. So if you can get rid of the old order, you will expiate sin. You will get it out of the way. So he had to take it all upon himself to take the full punishment of the old covenant, all expressed of all people on one person, Jesus Christ, so that he might bear the burden for all, so that he could declare forgiveness by his blood over every person who believes. Okay, so uh, you are forgiven and you receive it by believing. If you don't believe it, it's like, it's like you're not forgiven. Okay, so the, the forgiveness has been prepared ahead of time, but you need to go get it. You need to hear the word and receive it and it needs to enter your heart. Otherwise, it's as if that forgiveness was never there. Okay, but since now we hear this good news and believe it, we simply receive it. It's a done deal. It's a finished work already prepared for us. Where there is absolute forgiveness of sin, there is no longer any need for another sacrifice to make atonement. Okay, so I just want to jump to 1 John chapter 1. 
And I want to take this idea of bringing sacrifices into um, the modern-day church-type mindset. Now, we've been thinking in terms of, we, we don't slaughter goats and bulls, and we don't um, bring sacrifices of doves and, and burnt offerings and those things like in the old, and we think we're renewed and we're in the new. But what we do is we take that old legalistic mindset and we just put in some different things that we want to sacrifice, and we try to make atonement for our sins by our uh, new almost say modern time sacrifice mindset, all right? So, and we, we kind of miss the power of the New Testament and as we come with Old Testament thinking into the New Testament scriptures. So now it says in First John chapter 1, um, it says here, if I want to start reading in verse 5, it says, this is a message of promise which we have heard from him and reporting to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, no, not in any way. So that's a good thing to just, that's a good basis to go from God is light, there's no darkness in him. Now he goes on and he says, so if we say we are partakers uh, together with him and when we live in darkness, we lie. Because if we say I'm in Christ, but I'm actually in darkness, then I lie. But if we take that back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, what is the darkness? The faded glory of the law. It's the glory in the face of Moses that was revealed that faded out. It was a glory that was to fade and pass away. Now, there's a different glory. <coughs> Forgive me. There's a different glory revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, and that's the abiding, ever-increasing glory. So, James chapter 1 says, um, God is light, and <clears throat> there's no shadow in his turning. Okay, All, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. So um, there is, you can turn any way, you can even stand in front of the sun, there will be no shadow behind him because he is light. And he is, he is the light and he is in the light. So if we say we have fellowship with him when we walk about in the old covenant with a faded glory that's back in darkness, that puts the, puts the attention back on the flesh with an old covenant mindset, then we are not walking in that fellowship. All right, so it's not about New Testament Christianese religion, okay? That will not save you. What will save you is contact with God and faith in God. Okay, so now he says, but if we really are living and walking in the light as he himself is in the light. So that means now you're born again, Christ is in you and you are in Christ, okay? You are in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin and guilt and keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. So all we need to do is dwell in the light. So dwelling in the light means I seek him out. So he, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God and in him was life and the life was the light of men. That's John chapter 1 verse 1 and 4. So... Um, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So if we dwell, abide in the word, dwell, abide in his love, then he dwells and abides in us. That's the scriptures that we read in John chapter 15, John chapter, um, what's the other one that I read? First John chapter 4. Okay, so just um, referring to things that we said this week and last week. So... Um, if we dwell in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus 
cleanses, uh, we have unbroken fellowship with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us and removes us from all sin. So we are removed from sin, and sin is removed from us, and guilt keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. So it's not in trying to get rid of sin in order to have a relationship with Jesus. It's in having a relationship with Jesus which continuously cleanses you from all thoughts of sin, all awareness of sin. I hope you get this right. We've been doing it backwards. We've been trying to approach God by getting the sin out of the way and then getting to him. That You'll never get to that because it annually brings a fresh remembrance of sins to be atoned for. You come with your sacrifice. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. But every time you remember what you do. So then you do it again. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm try I'll try not to do it again. So are you aware of Jesus or are you aware of yourself and what you've done in your past? And so our past starts to determine our future. So our past starts to define our identity. And that's not what God intended. He wants us to dwell in the light. How do we dwell in the light? Well, Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 10 says that we now can approach him with boldness. We can come to the throne of grace with boldness. So we can come, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and 20 speaks of he opened up a fresh new living way through the power of the blood, through the separating curtain, that is through his flesh. So through the cross, his blood and his broken body, we can enter into fellowship with him. So your focus needs to be at the cross. Your focus needs to be at what he did for you. You enter into fellowship. That's your goal. Your goal is him. Your goal is fellowship with him. Dwelling in him. Abiding in him. And as you dwell in him and abide in him, what he, his light and his life just expels all fear. His light and his life just expels all sin and the awareness of sin and even the memory of who you were. You, then you are truly dead and your new real life is is hidden with Christ in God. And when you find that life in a secret place, um, Christ will appear through you in his glory. Okay. So, um, so we need to understand this. It's in fellowship. You come as you are to the throne of grace. You come as you are to the secret place because you can't enter in there through the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus means where we started, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 18, absolute forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty there is no guilt there's no record he says verse 17 their sins and iniquities i will remember no more so as you approach god this is the way boldness why do you have boldness because you believe that your sins are totally completely forgiven and that you have no remembrance you need to forget everything you've ever done wrong you also need to forget everything that you think you deserve, uh, every good work that makes you deserve something. You need to forget that also. What you need is to completely rely on what Jesus did and to rely absolutely nothing on what you did, good or bad. If you rely on what you did, good will not be good enough and bad will always disqualify you, so you will never make it. But when your heart is cleansed and when you open up before God and let that light shine in there and just tell him, Lord, bring your stuff to him. Say, Lord, I messed up. Help me. The light comes, shoo, expels every trace of, of the accusation and condemnation. Okay? So you open up before God and it's gone. It's removed. The blood of Jesus cleanses you because you're in the light. Okay? So all you need to do is dwell in the light. How do you dwell in the light? You have fellowship with him in the word. You 
uh, your focus is to know Jesus, reading the scriptures, and you believe the message, the cross, the blood of Jesus. And now, now he says, if we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray in the truth which the gospel presents is not in us and does not dwell in our hearts. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to his own nature and will forgive us our sins, dismiss our lawlessness and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so it works like this. It, old way of thinking is this. You go to God, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this. Fresh remembrance of sin. Sacrifices before God. You think you're going to get forgiven because you said, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I, I confess this, 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 this. That's not the basis of forgiveness. The basis of forgiveness is the blood of Jesus. So you come to him and you open up your heart and say, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wrong thing within me. Okay? You let the light shine in you. You open up before God and you hold nothing back and he will validate your life in the light of day. Okay? So you open up and the light shines. The blood of Jesus just removes all remembrance of all that stuff. Because in spirit, you are already clean. Already cleansed, already perfected, but you're now your soul dimension, that which you remember, that which you are conscious of, your aware, your awareness in inner life now needs to catch up with what Jesus already did in the spirit. So you need to start believing that you are forgiven, you need to start believing that you are cleansed, you need to start believing that you are holy by the blood of Jesus. And I don't care what you did, you come to Jesus with boldness and you open up before him and he is always faithful and just to just remove all those things. So you don't go to the holy of holies because you have no faults. You go to the holy of holies because he has no faults and he has opened up a way for you to come into that place where there is only him and when you come into that place you are dead and he is alive in you because in that place is only him all right so the old nature is buried in the grave and you live with him so the new man is activated and made alive when you discover this relationship with Jesus when you enter in and you abide and you stay there okay so um, forgiveness there's one condition of receiving forgiveness you need to believe that the forgiveness has already been done on the cross by the blood of Jesus that it's already been extended to you you can only receive it and believe it all right so no faith no forgiveness faith absolute forgiveness we need to get this right um, it's not that everyone in the world is just forgiven whether they know it or not nah -uh. we need to preach to every person and it needs to find entrance into their hearts they need to either reject it or receive it okay so everyone needs to hear it so um, this inclusion thing is is a violation of scripture it's not true so but the good news is not less good because of that the good news is so good we just all we need to do is believe that it is true that's all okay all right so absolute forgiveness he says um so we we don't come we don't confess in order to convince god to forgive us we open up we we bring it into the light so that the light can remove the darkness out of our awareness out of our soul dimension and you sit there with a clear conscience absolutely no awareness no consciousness of sin 
All right, so um, it's all based on what Jesus already did for you. Okay, so now, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. How long have I been going? Okay, we still got some time. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Just listen to this. This is now Paul who was Saul. He persecuted the church. And, you know, he was like a mean guy. He was like really mean. And now they, they, there's some people that want to kind of, you know, point a finger at him. That, you know, when, you, when you're in ministry, when you're a pastor or, or a prophet or whatever type of office you stand in, in the fivefold ministry, uh, you, you kind of get used to this because all the eyes are on you and everyone sees your mistakes or everyone invents mistakes or they take offense for things that shouldn't even be take offended of, um, but taken offense of. But, um, but the thing is, uh, if all the focus is on one person and everyone looks at one person, it can happen that people speak to one another and, and now everyone is mad at this one person. Now, they, that's kind of started happening with Paul. And it says here in verse 4, let's start at verse 3. It says, as for me personally, it matters very little to me that I should be put on trial by you on this point and that you or any other human tribunal should investigate and question and cross-question me. I do not even put myself on trial and judge myself. Listen, Paul, he killed Christians. He persecuted the church. Okay, and Christ came. His light shone around him and knocked him off his horse. Okay, (laughs) something happened to him. Now he says, I don't even put myself on trial and judge myself. And it matters matters very little to me if you or any other human tribunal should judge me. Now he says in verse 4, I am not conscious of anything against myself i feel blameless but i'm not vindicated and acquitted before god on that account it is the lord himself who examines and judges me so do not make any hasty or premature judgments okay so that means that um, god himself looks at paul and you can say that for yourself and i can say that for myself god himself looks at me and he finds me blameless. God judges righteously. And he saw me washed in the blood of the Son. And therefore, he just says, holy, blameless, spotless. So I cannot accuse myself. I cannot judge myself. But neither can I judge you and accuse you. And neither can you judge me and accuse me. What then about uh, restitution? What then about justice i've spoken on this uh, for the last couple of months Um, justice works like this if jesus paid the price for my sins jesus will also restore and make restitutions because of my sins okay so if you wronged me i forgive you and i receive my recompense from jesus if i wronged you jesus forgives me and i hope you forgive me and you receive your recompense from jesus if jesus is the one that forgives me then surely he's the one that needs to repay so when we drop the grudge when we stop the offense and look to god for him to fulfill everything in our lives he's the one in charge of our future he's the one that it's his problem to prosper me not mine so i don't have to fight and trying to get back what i lost 
there's so much more that I have in Christ. And Christ is a righteous judge and he will restore to me what someone else did wrong so that that someone else might only be forgiven from my side and from God's side. So that's God's idea of justice. He wants to recompense you for all the stuff that other people did against you. And he wants you to forgive every other person. Okay, that's to me is just absolutely wonderful. All right, so um, Acts chapter 13, I, I just love Acts chapter 13. So there's so many forgiveness scriptures in the Bible. And you can read it in Colossians 1 and in Ephesians 1. And um, there's, there's others, but... Um, I, I just want to read this one because this one is especially powerful to me. <laughs> so this is what we as Christians and we as, as pastors and prophets and evangelists and whatever office you're in um, need to be saying to the world. Okay, so this is now Paul declaring the one last time to the Jews the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he says in verse 38, So let it be clearly known and understood by your brethren that through this man forgiveness and removal of sins is now proclaimed to you. Now he says this to people subscribing to Moses. Now Moses doesn't just forgive sins like this. So it's an offensive thing. Um, we read it in, in uh, Matthew chapter 9, I think. Who is this guy that just forgives sins? How can you just say your sins are forgiven? Jesus said, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or, or rise up and walk? Okay. So when, when people just declare forgiveness, it brings offense to the religious types that want to earn their forgiveness. So it says, let it be clearly known and understood by your brethren that through this man forgiveness and removal of sins is now proclaimed to you. And that through him, everyone who believes in him is absolved cleared and freed from every charge from which you could not be justified and freed by the law of Moses and given right standing with God. Take care, therefore, lest there come upon you what is spoken in the prophets. Look, you scoffers and scorners, and marvel and perish and vanish away. For I'm doing a deed in your days, a deed which you will never have confidence in or believe, even if someone clearly describing it in detail declares it to you. So what is this deed? The forgiveness of sin, the proclamation of life. So if you take this scripture back to, to Habakkuk 1 verse 7, where the prophet Habakkuk said it, I will do a deed in your days which uh, you will not believe. Habakkuk 1, I think verse 5, and then later verse 7, which you will not believe even if it be told you. And then later on he says, Oh God, are you, are you not from everlasting? And we shall not die. All right, so uh, he wants us to experience forgiveness and as a result of that, the life. Sin entered into the world, death, death through sin. Absolute forgiveness came through Jesus Christ and Jesus came uh, to bring life and life in abundance. So when you really know that you are forgiven, your soul will be filled with the life of God. You receive eternal life when you believe. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal everlasting love. He did not send his son into the world to judge or condemn the world but that the world might be made safe and sound, might be set free. Okay, so that's the heart of Jesus. He wants us all to be free in him. And we only get that freedom by believing in what he already did. God has absolutely no um, 
benefit from you confessing your sins all day long. God has absolutely, what, what can he get out of it? Us being sorry all day for, okay, so is there something as godly sorrow? Yes, I've qualified that before. But hey, then get on with it, man. Uh, receive the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Lord is your strength, okay? So, so we need to get to a point where we believe that we are forgiven and that our sins are not so big that God cannot, cannot forgive them, okay? So uh, who do you think you are that your sins is so big that it's bigger than the cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus? We need to humble ourselves and receive God's opinion of us. And God's opinion of us is, is that we are holy, blameless, spotless before him in love. God's opinion of us is that we are absolutely forgiven, made holy, forever completely cleansed and perfected. All right, so there's one warning given. Take care, lest it be said of you what's written in the prophets, look your scoffers and vanish and perish. Because I will do a deed in your day which you will not believe even if it be told you. So there's a group that will not believe. But to those who believe is the preciousness. To those who believe, he's the stone that, uh, that becomes the chief of the corner. To those who do not believe, um, he's, he was rejected. But the stone that the builders rejected became the chief of the corner. Okay, so many... All kinds of things opening up now. I'm not going to pursue all of that because uh, we just want to bring a short message in the morning. All right. So, um, in short, <laughs> trust in the blood. You are forgiven. And don't let your heart condemn you. Uh, you are really forgiven. The price is really paid. You are clean before God. Only believe it. So, it's time to say goodbye. Um, I'm kind of stalling because I like talking to you, but um, we'll see you again tomorrow.